It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Hello, doll. Welcome to Divas That Care Network. I am Joyce Benning, and I will be your host for this invigorating, robust lifestyle show. I want to thank each one of our listeners, as I am grateful for each one of you. And I am so excited today to have our monthly returning diva, Kate Nelligan, with us. And she is going to speak about wild horses. Oh, my. Am I ever excited. Kate, could you please do a brief introduction on yourself today? Sure, yeah. As always, thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. And I'm I'm happy to introduce myself. So I'm an equine partner, life and business coach, uh, healer, author, and speaker. And I work primarily near Boulder, Colorado. And I also travel quite frequently to Los Angeles and other places. And I really see myself as a bridge between horses and humans uh, in that in the power and the transformation that's possible in the human animal bond. Oh wow! Oh. What a what a great uh, brief description of everything you do. That's awesome. Well, with our title today, Wild Horses, I'm just going to kind of let you take take it and share with what you would like to start sharing to our listeners today about wild horses. Yeah, thanks so much. This is a topic that is very much in the news right now and in a lot of the horse groups on Facebook and elsewhere. And so it's really been on my heart and my mind a lot. I'm so grateful to have a platform like this show to be able to to talk about things. And really my intention is just to educate and to provide resources. It's a very, um, I'll give you some background, but there's, it's a very political, there's a very, it's a very emotional issue for a lot of people. And my goal really, especially for right now, we, you know, we could talk about this for hours, but we have a short amount of time, uh, is really to stay out of taking any one side. Uh, It's really just to provide information. People really need to do their own research to see what's going on to follow different sides of of the story and form their own opinions and um, get inspired to help in the ways they can. There's different ways to help. So one of my goals today is really just to educate on what's going on and then also to give resources so that people can connect with um, different ways that they can learn more about wild horses, be with wild horses, and and contribute to them. And I'm, I'm curious also, have you been with any of the wild ones before? No, I have not had that experience, but oh my, I've listened, I just listened to a, uh, is it Onikyu speak, the horses? Yes, yeah. And oh my goodness, was that interesting. That would be an incredible experience. Have you been in a wild horse herd? I have, I've been in a few at this point, and so it's, Something that I think when I was little, my parents took me, you know, I was a horse 
loving girl at, you know, a very young age. I loved all animals. I started riding at 10. And my parents took me to Chincoteague when I was really little. And I remember just watching the horses, even from a distance. And it really deeply touched, like, my soul and um, my heart. And it, it just stayed with me on such a deep level. And I really do think to a large degree, like, those moments kind of shaped me and my future because <laughs> – it's like I really wanted people to have the real essence of the horse, which is different from like when I was riding, right? And we were saddling and mm-hmm. I was focusing on a to-do list and actions, but really being with them in their wild environment and Chincoteague on the East Coast, it was really, you know, which is, you know, Misty, the book Misty, famous, all of that. Right. It really, mm-hmm. it, it inspired quite a bit. Uh, oh, I can only imagine the energy and the vibrance and the freedom that they have it would just be it just be magical is how i see it in the pictures that i've seen and and the interviews i've listened to it just has to be a very magical touching time and as you said you feel that really truly influenced you oh wow that is incredible goodness well do you have a um are mustangs one of the main ones that you work through or would like to educate people about today about on wild horses or is there a certain one that you would like to educate uh our listeners on today yeah so the first thing is I think a lot of people, even a lot of my friends, did not know that wild horses even existed in the United States, and there's about mm-hmm. seventy thousand or a little more wild horses in the United States. about half of them are in nevada and um and of the seventy thousand plus about half of them are in what's called holding um the Bureau of Land Management, otherwise known as the b l m uh, mm-hmm. has horses in holding for adoption, and it's really to manage the land because they're sharing the land with cattle as well. And so the the Mustangs, it's interesting because a lot of people actually say technically they're feral animals, not wild, because they were not, they were, they are uh, descendants from the Spanish horses that were brought over here. Um, and so the horses that I've been around in Colorado and California, the wild herds, are Mustangs. And mm-hmm. I've also been around a very unique herd in uh, California that's privately managed, nothing to do with the BLM, that are of Morgan descent, they believe, and they really do look like Morgan. So they're very different looking. Um, and so, yeah, I find that, first of all, people need to know that A, we have wild horses, B, how mm-hmm. many there are, and C, where they are, which is mostly the West, um, mm-hmm. and California, Utah, and whatnot. And what kind of brought this topic up for today is what you mentioned before, the Anakai uh, herd, and uh, mm-hmm. is being rounded up because there's essentially there was a law passed in the 70s around how many can actually be on the land at any one time. And so they're rounding them up and there's new adoption policies and, and whatnot, but um, a lot of activists are involved trying to get them to be able to stay on the land because what happens in the roundup is 
They are using helicopters, and it can be really certainly frightening for the horses, but it can separate mm-hmm. herds of families, and it can also they can also get hurt. Um, and some of them do die in the process, and then they're living in basically holding pens where they're they're fed and watered and sheltered, but that's really it. They have a very small um, access area, whereas before they were, you know, on many many acres, and so it's it's quite a big change for them. Um, and so there's different the the ones that I sort of. Um, suggest that people really start to follow and look into is two types of groups. One are the sanctuaries who are doing a great job at education and advocacy. And those are Great Escape Mustang Sanctuary in Colorado, outside of Denver. You can actually visit them. They partner with the BLM. They do tip training, which is essentially a certified training program to learn how to gentle a Mustang for so that it can be rideable and for adoption. Um, and then there's the Return to Freedom Sanctuary in Lompoc, California, which is up a little bit from Los Angeles. They live on many acreage, acres there, and um, I've been there as well. They have wild photo safari tours. And then there's uh, Skydog Sanctuary, which has a property also in California and Malibu, but also up in Oregon. And they're, you know, each of their founders – it's a female in each case. They're very dedicated to to preserving the wild horses, right? I mean, people think that mm-hmm. there's they're overrun on the land, but seventy thousand is not a lot, especially when you think about there's about six million domestic horses here in the United States in um in ownership, right? People mm-hmm. um owning horses. So that's really very small and we are at risk of potentially losing them if we're not really responding to the issue uh, with the most care. Um, And so there's a lot of different solutions that people talk about, and I find that, you know, it's important that we don't think just one solution is the only solution. There's really probably a good combination, some of which is birth control, some of which is better land management, so there's enough uh, forage for the animals to share, some of which is um, really starting to look at how much cattle is actually needed versus the wild ones who were there before, um, and really starting to, if we can, start to take out all the emotion and really get into the logistics of what these animals need and really find compromise. But there hasn't been. There, there's really um, a priority of cattle owners and beef over wild ones. And so... I believe part of, like, my mission in the human-animal bond is really to get people to start to view horses as equals, to start to let go of speciesism, that we are not humans. Man is not the number one superior species on the planet. If if you look at it in many ways, we're actually – we've done more damage to Earth than any other species. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really starting to, to, and the thing is, is that I think a lot of people don't know what's going on, right? I didn't a few years ago until I saw that um, they were potentially going to clear out the holding areas and that, you know, up to thirty to 40,000 horses could be sent to slaughter. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's scary. So I blogged at the time on Huffington Post about that, and I've really been following the issue ever since. So these sanctuaries, I've been to all of them. Um, and I support them, and I, I I want to raise funds for them. I want to bring people to them. And then there's also the other group I highly recommend is the Wild Horse Photographers. 
And there's so many mm-hmm. incredible ones, but they are often the voice for the wild horses because they spend the most time with them. They're out there day in and day out. They know they've named many of them. They, they know the family unit. They know their health. You know, they're, they've been tracking them for years. And so some of my favorites are Carol Walker. She's in Colorado. And mm-hmm. uh, the... Um, uh, Jamie and Deb, who are both, and I'm, I forgot their last names at this exact moment, but they have a beautiful new film series. It's a, it's a docu-series, and their first episode is out on YouTube, and it's called Wild Lands, Wild Horses. And it's really a very non-judgmental, open perspective at what's going on. And um, I find that both of them have great Instagrams to follow as well, where they're posting. Um, And there's just quite a bit of um, wild photographers that are. Jen Rogers is another one who I recently connected with and started following, um, who are doing such a great job. The advocacy groups are great as well because what they'll often do is create petitions. They'll create um, actual action steps to take. With the Anakai uh, herd right now, the biggest action step we could take is to actually call the White House and ask the president to do something because the local government is not, at this point, looking to protect them. So, yeah, there's there's a lot there. So I'm going to pause because I know I just gave a lot of information. And I, I should have set up, friend, grab your notebook if you're listening, because these are some of the places that I find that people um, want to start following and just learning mm-hmm. about them and, mm-hmm. you know, at minimum, just to connect with their energy. What you said before, that kind of vibrance and the magic and the – the power and um yeah that there's so much there for people and we can talk about the energy of the wild ones here in a second but any mm-hmm. questions from what i shared any comments oh i'm just i'm taking notes too as you were talking writing down names because what great information for our listeners to know on how how they can help like following these photographers and getting involved in that way and supporting them in different ways because like you said they are kind of the voice for the horse they are with the herds they are showing the pictures of them they they've learned to kind of know them and oh i love that and different ways on the advocacy groups the sanctuaries and how everyone if we would just all work together, I love the part about, too, that we just all need to live together and respect one another because we were all all created. So just live in peace with all of, all of the animals and all of nature. That is so beautiful to me. I just love that because we all can give something to help each other in, and it makes it the full circle of life. Is how I feel. So, yes, you were just top touching on everything like that. It was just beautiful, Kate. I loved it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, there's there's a lot of you know certainly um, nonprofits that are doing more advocacy and activism, and I do find mm-hmm. um, them to be helpful as well for information. Um, sometimes they have their own specific agenda as, you know, if you follow just the BLM, they have their own specific agenda because they're a government-owned, you know, um, organization. 
So that's why I sort of like to follow, you know, um, some of these other groups that are providing, you know, really space for them to live and and to stay, um, you know, to thrive and to have the right amount of food. The, some of the misinformation is that there's not enough water, there's not enough forage on the land. And while I do believe that the land is more depleted than maybe it ever has been and that we really do need to start to look at better soil management and better land management, not just better animal management, um, there is, you know, sometimes that is, uh, that's a tactic people are using, whereas the, the actual wild horse photographers are able to show photos of the their troughs being full filled and what's actually mm -hmm. happening. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I would imagine both things are happening that sometimes there is issues with their forage and their, and other times you can see, you know, real footage in real time and see that they're healthy and full and that there is, you know, water. So then it really becomes how do we do birth control so there isn't an, you know, so there is still some population management um, because there isn't any natural predators, so to speak, of the wild horses um, in some mm -hmm. of these areas. But the thing that I just keep thinking about, and I don't know if it's possible, but it's really, it just is on my mind and heart a lot, which is, you know, we have Yellowstone and Yosemite and, and Grand Canyon, and we have some of these beautiful, incredible national parks. And I just wonder, you know, the national parks are preserved, right? The bison in there, the oldest herd in the United States is mm -hmm. in Yellowstone. Like, how can we potentially start to leverage, whether it's a new national park for the wild ones and or that, like, people visit, people want to be with these animals, they will pay a top dollar that then can go mm -hmm. into helping to manage them, right? And even if they're not 100% living on on wild land, so to speak, and they're still fed hay, which is the case at Sky Dog. They're still fed hay, and, you yeah. know, same match. You know, they're supplemented, especially throughout the winter. They're supplemented with hay. Mm -hmm. But how could we potentially create an actual larger sanctuary, even if it is a national park where they are protected forever, and, you know, we go and visit them um, that way, and we pay, you know, a top for the national park and then add-ons if we want to do photo safaris or you know merchandise or whatever it might be to me I almost wonder of like could we find you know could we protect them that way where there's actual um, dedicated space and land and the challenge is certainly you know they're across multiple states right now so how is that done but if the majority are in Nevada what could we do in Nevada mm -hmm. or Nevada <laughs> I never know how to say it um, <laughs> and have it really protected in that space where you know a good half of them are so it's just something I've been thinking about lately just trying to think through how can they still how can they always stay protected still be fed not necessarily interfere with cattle because I just feel like we're going to lose that battle when it comes down to wild ones and activists versus a lot of money in cattle ranching so Mm -hmm. I, I just am like, what can we do? And adoption, you know, the challenge with adoption, I love adoption and I love the fact that we can learn to gentle them. And, um, you know, there's the movie The Mustang where they're, you know, prison inmates are learning gentle horses, all that. I think there's a lot of potential there for people to 
um, own Mustangs and, and to celebrate them and to showcase them. The Mustang makeover showcases what they're, what's possible with them, although that training is very fast. But ultimately, you know, a lot of people can't necessarily get out, you know, the whole East Coast can't necessarily get out to uh, California and, uh, you know, adopt Mustangs and bring them back. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a harder process. So, the risk that people don't necessarily know that's happening is that the horses are, you know, if it's $125 to adopt in places, you know, that's a very low cost. And if people get a thousand plus for an animal in the meat market, you know, they send them down to Mexico um, and or abroad where people are still buying meat, eating meat, like France, Sweden, and other places in Mexico. And so there's really the challenges is that, um, you know, that, that there's like an incentive almost for them to be sold for meat. And now with the new adoption one where they're, they were essentially giving you $1,000 and then you could go and sell that horse. Now, obviously, there's a whole, you're not allowed to, to sell that. You're not allowed to buy or adopt. I should say adopt. You're not allowed to adopt to then sell them for meat. But there's no tracking system, right, to, for that. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. it's really a bit of a challenge. And I think people don't understand that that's kind of the darker side of what's actually going on mm-hmm. with some of these horses. And so it's, you know, there's really a process of, you know, A, do they have to leave their families and their homes, right, that they've had for, for many, many, many years. And right. um and then there's also the, if they do, how long do they have to stay in a holding pen before adoption? And then if they do get adopted, are they going to good homes? Or are they going to the meat market, right? So there's really right. like a whole spiral and domino effect that happens mm-hmm. with it. So it's, there's a lot. But ultimately, I'm, I really wanted to speak today just to educate people about all the different layers to this because mm-hmm. most of my mm-hmm. friends don't even know this is happening, right? My non-kind right. of horsey friends. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think it's just important that we know this information and from there, you know we protect what we love so I just want to get more people to experience the wild ones through video photos tours however it is you know um, meeting your friends Mustang whatever it takes so that you can your heart opens and then you feel like you can do your part to to protect them and it may be you know sending money it may be um, actually adopting one right there's lots of different ways that we can help them yes Yes. Oh, yes. This is a great way. Like you said, the layers, there's so many layers of it that a lot of people do not understand or hadn't even probably realized that we still had wild horses. And to me, that is such a small number that there's only 70,000. I mean, that doesn't sound like many at all wild horses left in the United States. That's is that just in the United States? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a lot yeah. more in, like I believe it's like Australia and, and other places. Mm-hmm. But yes, and um, and then also there's only you know half of them are actually still free roaming wild horses. About right. half of them are thirty thousand plus are in holding in different holding mm-hmm. pens. And if you see what the holding pens are like, no one really mm-hmm. wishes that on a horse, especially a horse that no. used to be a wild one. You know, they're living together, and it's it's confined you know so it's um it's it's a it's an intense issue for a lot of people and 
I am doing my best to not try to take just one stance, right? Like Mm -hmm. that we Mm -hmm. should do this or we shouldn't do that. It's just like, let's get educated. Can we get all the different parties together? I mean, maybe that's wishful thinking because there's so many different interests, so to speak. Um, Yes. Well, there's there's essentially two interests. There's the people who are interested in protecting the wild ones, and then there's the people who are interested in more so protecting the land or the cattle industry. And so they're they're very different, Um, you know, and they – Sometimes mm-hmm. seahorses is nuisances. So it's mm-hmm. really how do we change the perspective of like horses have are have been the the biggest companion. We think it's man's best friend is a dog, but horses have been most through us with everything. You know, how many died in war and how many carried us and for transportation and mail and you name it, the horses have been an integral fabric of the United States. And so I look at the Mustang, if you were to have a, a animal that represents the entire United States, it's it to me it's the Mustang. It it really mm-hmm. is. And so it's this American heritage that I think we need to protect. It's not just the Wild West. It's not just the cowboy culture. It is truly it is what has kept us in this whole freedom, right? This whole energy of freedom which we hold so dearly here in the United States. Um and we've worked so hard for with our constitution and everything else that but ultimately, I feel like the Mustang is an incredible representation. But a lot of people, I think, have gone away from their own wildness. A lot of people are yeah. in this mm-hmm. very, I have to I have to work all the time. I'm connected to my t- device all the time, which is by no means wild. It's very man-made. And that returning to our roots and to nature and to looking at the sky and looking at the mountains and and um, literally that kinesthetic experience of being alive, the physical sensations, like the the raw power that we have as spirits in a body, that's what the wild yeah. horses represent. And I think we need to all get back to respecting that, embracing it, and, and really protecting it. Um, oh, I so agree. Oh, that is just beautifully put because, I mean, you said that in such beautiful way of how just getting back to nature and they being representing the energy of freedom and their spirits. I mean, yeah, we can look at a computer and there's no there's no interaction. I mean, there's no spirit there like there is when you get out with a horse or out in nature with the animals. The spirits, it just lifts you. It is just an incredible feeling. And yes, so many people have drifted away from them. And if we can just educate people on what these horses have to offer and bring back into life. Oh, that is just beautiful. And I love how you planted the seed about your vision is to have a park where they could be protected and people could see them and really experience what they have to offer because you and I know the energy that horses give and the mad, the magical presence of them. And other people, if they could experience that and just realize it, oh, it would just be so beautiful to just all live together in harmony. <laughs> yeah, and it's not it's not that far reached. It's just that we have to really start caring. And I, the thing that I've seen is a lot of people that are in buildings or other places are not 
they're just not connected to that to that element. Mm-hmm. I think they want it, but they forgot that they want it. And there, I've noticed even in my coaching that you know some men are really intimidated around horses because of how much majesty and and bridled power and you know strength and gentleness and beauty. It's a lot for people. It's overwhelming. But so people often kind of push it away. But it's like really confront that side of ourselves, that raw side, and embrace it. And and we actually become whole, more whole with that. And there there's nothing to fear there with the horses. They really, um, they're they're so connected to our spirit. My concern is that we start killing the American spirit, the human spirit, when we kill the Mustang and the wild spirit. Mm-hmm. That's that's really mm-hmm. my concern is that it's, well, it's it's just going to negatively affect everything. It's not just about the horses even, you know. So. Right, right. Oh, how I truly agree. Okay, this has just been incredible. I would love to do another interview with you and go more into detail about the a spirit that the wild horses can give and the freedom, the energy that they can offer to the people to see so our listeners can hear what all is available through that and see if we to work together to find a safe haven for them. I would love to do another sequel to this because this is this has just been incredible. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> Oh, thank you. And I had the idea, maybe we do it next time, is to really channel the collective of the wild horses and what they want us to know about what they represent and the energy that they're being on the planet, what they're contributing to all of life here, all of Earth. So I'm happy to get into a space and do that in the future on a call. That would be really fun. Oh, that would be awesome. I think that would just be great to do a sequel right right in August right away because this is this is incredible. I just love it. And just real briefly, can you some of the people if they if this has touched our listeners' ears, how is the best way to connect with you so that they could maybe get some more information if they're interested in the photographers or in some ways that they could help. What would be the best way to connect with you, Kate? Yeah, thank you. When I share this recording uh, from this show, I will post it in Equine Rockstars, which is actually the the group on Facebook is changing from Equine mm-hmm. Rockstars to Awakening with Equines, and that is the new name. And so people can look up that group, join it, and then I will put links to all these sanctuaries I mentioned and all the wild horse resources in one post. So it makes it really easy. Um, people could also private message me um, at Kate Nelligan Equine Coach on Instagram, and I'm happy to uh, share stuff there as well. But I really would suggest that that Awakening with Equines group on Facebook. Oh, oh, I love that. Oh, that is just great, Kate. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for all the incredible information you gave us today. This was just awesome. Thank you again, Kate, for being my guest. <laughs> Thank you. And also, fun fact, today is I Love Horses Day. So thank you for having me today. It means a lot. Yes, it's I Love Horses Day. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, that is just (laughs) awesome. Thank you again. (laughs) Thank you. You are so welcome. And I want to thank all of our listeners for listening to this absolutely incredible interview with our amazing returning diva, Kate Nelligan. And please stay tuned because she is on the third Thursday of every month at 11 
11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time and listen to more of as she shares her wisdom and knowledge. And be sure to check out all the other hosts and their shows on DivasAtCare.com. Have a fantastic day, animals, and especially your horses. A big extra hug today and share all your love with each one of them. Until we connect again on Robust Lifestyles, stay strong and healthy. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.